Hello, and welcome to another horror review. That's what's going on. Hang on. Right, folks, I've been wondering why my uh, stream's been sounding like uh, very echoey lately, if you've noticed. Using a bloody webcam uh, microphone. So, I guess we'll be tested away for the minute. I don't know if I can change it. No, it's not going to let me. Oh, that's a camera. Right, please let me know if that's better. I don't know what it is about these. You set the thing up, and uh, you've probably noticed as well some of the horrific uh, tales. For some reason, software just randomly switches over microphones, and it's like, Ugh. I need to look for a, a webcam, I think, without a microphone built in. But most of them uh, say that comes with that feature, and it's just it's flipping annoying. Although it's handy if I'm using multiple platforms, which I've had to do with guests in the past. Um, like if I'm using Zoom or Skype or something, as well as this, it kind of works using both having two microphones. But God, I've, it's been bugging the hell out of me. My last videos, I'm just sounding like I'm in a flipping boom. You know, my voice is just like booming all over the show. Hopefully that's fixed anyway. Right, let's get on with the movie. Uh, Doll Cemetery. This was... It was alright. It was actually um, pretty decent, to be honest. We started off with a strange scene. And we know it's about killer dolls. Like, basically, <laughs> it spells it out. Uh, we'll have this uh, lady. She's in her house. Or she just comes home or something and finds a package. She's going about her business, and next thing you know, the box is open, and then uh, she's getting fucking hammered in the head by this doll. Um, you know it's a person in a doll suit, but what I will say, for a low-budget independent film, they've done this quite well. Um, it's only towards the end that we see the sort of, you know, the bit of the mask and the skin, but for the most part, um, they've done it quite well with the uh, the movements and that, and there's later on actually because the doll changes sizes throughout the movie. Uh, it's one of the sort of creepy things about it, and uh, there's like a large version of it, and it actually done really well. Uh, however, the, the that bodysuit and stuff was uh, quite cool. So, uh, yeah, <clears throat> decent amount of effort put in this. Uh, well, they ain't got this other scene with a, a hiker. He's kind of skipping through the countryside, and he looks like he's he's either documenting something or writing or uh, doing something weird. And then we encounter the doll again, so it's already setting up that it's a killer doll. You know, it's not really spoilers. It's it's kind of all implied in the name anyway. But yeah, um, then we meet the main uh, character, Brandon uh, Hobbs. He's a writer now. I genuinely thought he's going to see a mob boss. The opening scene with him going to this like I thought it was a bar, but it's a cafe. Maybe it's a cafe bar type thing. But um, the bouncer stopping him and all. Yeah, honestly thought he's gonna like he's gonna end the foot and see the mob. It turns out it's his literary agent. <laughs> You're like, hmm, that's a bit. <laughs> is there a bit of an allegory there or something happening? But uh, 
Yeah, this movie, if you're an independent author and you're considering getting a literary agent, this movie might put you off. Let's just fill the gap. But yeah, um, you signed a three-book deal. We only have one. You've not written anything. Where's your writing? Well, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I promise I'm doing it. And uh, I find out Brendan's an alcoholic. He's broken up. You know, his family's broken apart. The wife's gone with the kids. Um, he's not in a good place. And then this is where... Um, what do you call him? What was Socrates or something weird? But anyway, the literary guy, um, he says, I've got an idea. Isolated location, no Wi-Fi, yada, yada, yada. I'm going to send you there. Three weeks, get something on paper. That kind of stuff, you know. And Guy Brenz keeps going on about, well, you send a movie deal. It's like, um, what am I getting? It's like, well, you haven't written anything, so you're not getting anything. <laughs> weird. It was a weird conversation. It's like, um, yeah, the deal is you produce something, then you get the money, but you don't just get um, the money and not produce anything. It was that sort of conversation. But uh, so this guy, uh, Hobbs, he's he's all over the show. He's a bit of a mess. I would say this is a cross between uh, The Shining. We've got vibes here of the Jack Torrance character. But this is definitely Wicker Man. Um, without spoiling the movie too much, it's definitely Wicker Man, the, the whole vibe of this. Um, Brendan arrives up. Anyway, he's, you know something's off. Or actually, a bit like Hot Fuzz. If you've seen Hot Fuzz, and all sort of Yorkshire, you know, people, uh, this is what we're, you know, this is what we're encountering. Even the taxi driver, I go no further, only go here. Um, and then just drives off and leaves him to make his way up this, uh, like privately in into the, the farmhouse. Then we encounter, um, she's just known as the seductress in this. Um, if you think of the Matrix, the girl in the red dress, this is it. And she's just standing in the middle of a country lane in this red dress, you know, and uh, she encounters uh, Hobbs and, you know, there's a wee bit of titillation and play because I know she's flirting with him just in the middle of a country lane and it's weird because they're like she's dressed like in an evening gown you know as if she's going to uh like a, a fancy nightclub or something not in the middle of a country lane it's just but I think that's the whole point of the scene is for the surrealness of what's going on because gradually we're seeing Brendan lose his mind as he goes through the story which is interesting, you know, interesting way to do it. I will say there's good character acting in this uh, film. As you can see, beats from other movies, you can kind of pick it out, but the actual character acting and all this is pretty decent and it's watchable and you can kind of relate with them. Um, the guy who plays Brennan, the, the author, does a good job of, like, he's busy. He's on the ropes. He's, like, on that downward spiral and it's played out nicely um but yeah he gets shown up to you know told where to go to the house he encounters normal locals who asks him has he followed the rules like it's burning into the, the cottage follow he's like what are you talking about and then the guy then just sort of off he goes 
Um, that's fine. He gets settled in late that night. The seductress comes back. Or just daily, yeah. Sort of comes. No, it wasn't that. Night. He kind of got settled in. That's when he had his dream. Now, this is with the audio editing kind of goes a bit wonky. He's hearing the doll speak to him, but they've distorted the voice that much and it's kind of telling him the rules in his sleep, but I couldn't uh, make it out. It was quite tricky, just the way it's so distorted. Now, I don't know if that was intentional, that you don't pick up what the rules are, because that's kind of the theme throughout this whole uh, film. But it would have been nice to be able to pick it apart. Now, I could probably go back and scroll over about five, ten times to figure it out, but it's if you're watching the movie, it shouldn't be that hard. You know, I understand voice effects. I understand changing a, a voice to sound more spooky or ethereal or not to be 100% clear if it's in a dream, but you still need to be able to understand unless it's going to reveal later on, which this doesn't. So if I had it started off really garbled and distorted that you couldn't pick it up, but then each night there was a dream and it got clearer and clearer, I would have been happy with that. But this is kind of your one shot where the rules are explained by the, the entity and it just garbled, which bit of a shame because you're sort of scratching your head, you know, because as the audience, you know, I mean, you're, you're like a third person perspective. So you should sometimes have a bit of a heads up more than the character because you kind of know where the character's going and then it's, the mystery is the character's heading in this situation, how they're going to possibly get out of it. And that's cool as well. Or if you're part of the mystery and the mystery's being unfolded, then you need it to unfold in front of you. And that's where it kind of fell apart a wee bit. You know, I would have liked that either be clear or be revealed again, but didn't happen. It didn't ruin them. Just as gripe, it didn't ruin the movie. And funny enough, the people who make this one, uh, if you saw the community post about <laughs> YouTube, they did another movie, Revenge of the Flippin' Leprechaun or something. That man, he's three minutes in it, man. Nah, right. It's the same company that made this one. And this is a much better movie. You know, much more watchable. But, uh, sorry, my screen's doing weird stuff as well. Because of the joys of going live. That, that was happening to me yesterday. The, the screen's kind of blacking out as if it's going into screensaver mode. But I'm on full monitors here, so it doesn't, doesn't make sense why it's doing that. Oh, right. I have a Windows update, Joey. So always, whenever you've got a Windows update, it starts arsing about. So that'll either fix it or break it more. I hate computers sometimes. Bloody frustrating. You just want the tool to work, to do the job, get on with things. I haven't got time to be faffing about <laughs> fixing settings all the time, so I never get any content made. That's what I was relying on. Um, and then this, because I'm kind of getting off on times here, but the the basic plot is this guy's then encountering the locals and they keep, you know, the farmer. Jim comes up the next morning and goes, did you, let, did you leave a gate open? Did you let my livestock out? He's like, no, because he... He hadn't even been out at that point. He'd just arrived at the cottage. And it was like the next morning. And then the hint gets dropped. Did you follow the rules? And this keep, keeps going on. Did you follow the rules? He meets a crazy guy again. 
and then the crazy guy kind of drops a hint about what one of the rules are. And I think it's all about if he follows the rules, he'll survive the experience. If he doesn't follow the rules, he won't. Um, it's one of those sort of ritualistic type movies. And that's why I'm kind of saying I've got a Wicker Man vibe. Because um, I'm trying to think of Edward Woodward's character. Sergeant High, yeah. I wonder if Edward Woodward's still alive. What? No, he's gone. Oh. 2009? Holy crap. That was, that was a while ago. Oh, apologies, America, for the equalizer. <laughs> I always feel like when you mention Edward Woodward, you have to apologize for that TV show. Even though I watched it as a kid and thought it was funny. Um, a strange show. <laughs> really was. <laughs> he's a, he's, a, he's a, an actor at a strange part. That just didn't fit him. But there you go. Um, yeah, then we'll just get the, like I said, the Dr. Superior's again. And that's when she comes into the room at night and she brings wine with her. And I think it's all to get him to fall off the wagon, even though he doesn't stop drinking the whole time he's there. You know, the minute he... Uh, I can do I've had a bit of a heavy weekend. We've had a bank holiday weekend, um, a little coronation. I've overindulged a bit and i've been detoxing myself today i'm gonna to have to behave myself the rest of the week i couldn't imagine living like that where he's always topping himself up that's uh like i'm feeling pretty rough today i couldn't imagine being like that all the time like you get nothing done um especially when you're supposed to be a writer or creator you can't be uh constantly it's like being a sports person and not looking after yourself, going getting cheeseburgers every day. Your performance is going to suffer horrendously. Um, so him being a writer and then completely mashing up his brain um, with booze all the time, of course he's got writer's block or he's not going to do it right because he's like, spending most of his time either wasted or recovering or topping up. You know, it's, of course you're going to get nothing done. But this is... Uh, it's almost as much of the story of his spiral, if that makes sense, as the supernatural entity. Oh. Hey, then, Chris. Good to see you. Welcome on board. Always great to have you on. <laughs> Every time, if you've got a, if you've got Chris in your channel, you're very lucky. Just that guy's amazing. Absolute backbone of uh, your creator trying to get uh, an audience. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, this, uh, there's not really much more of a plot to talk about in the movie. That's the thing. Um, until they actually reveal what's going on. Um, it's just him falling off the wagon, getting more and more spiraled out of control. He gets the doll in the post, like the first girl, but he keeps it with him, you know, then he starts to visualize that it's moving around and he's going to watch it. And, uh, but it's played in the fact that it's him losing his mind as much as the doll doing something. 
you know, and this all plays out, which actually uh, makes this a decent drama. You know, a lot of my complaints about sort of indie horror movies are the actors aren't invested in the roles and they're kind of just reading off a page. And that uh, can be frustrating because you need the character actors, you need the characters to come to life on screen. It doesn't matter about the effects. As I said, you can always forget bad effects, especially when you know there's limited budget. But you need the actors to be invested. I mean, you don't get that. You kind of disconnect from the story. At least for this one, um, as I said, each of the characters playing their roles play it, and they don't overplay it or underplay it. They just play their characters, and it's um, good to see. Then um, we'll find out this is Alfred uh, the Doll. Oh, by the way, this goes by two names. So it's Doll Cemetery, but if you look up the IMDb, it's Alfred the Doll. So Alfred the Doll must have been the working title, and then the studio decided Doll Cemetery for some reason. But uh, there you go. That's hardly um, a thing to get upset about. You know, just that happens a lot with movies. <clears throat> um. Yeah, so he's trying to write again. He's then Alfred the Doll becomes a title. He starts typing about it. I think it was the last visit from the seductress when she appears. She starts looking and reading out, and then actually starts adding some of her own bits. <clears throat> uh, and this is where a hint: Does she actually exist? Are these people he's encountering? As a part of his like decline in mental state, that he's starting to hear things and imagine things, or is it actually happening? I think the spoiler was when we see the doll, we see the doll twice before Brendan, so we know the doll exists and it's actually doing it. So playing out with him losing his mind doesn't really there's no mystery to solve because it's already you know solved at the beginning we know the doll's evil we know the doll um kills people so that's you know it's already there it's just now what's happening with him um he then meets the farmer again appears um no the uh the weird bloke the one that's um running around comes back again, lets him in some things in. I shouldn't really tell you. Starts, like, the first rule apparently is to feed him leaves. But we never got to pay it off. You know, you're told that, but it doesn't really... It's just words. We don't see the ritual enacted out or what he has to do. What type of leaves, how he feeds them to him. You know, that kind of stuff. Just garble words, which almost basically get brushed off, so nothing changes, so... But then the guy that's run about, he gets taken care of by the doll. I suppose we're betraying him. And that's the end of that bit of the plot. Yeah, like I said, for the, most of his scenes, but the, the other characters are bringing in, they're not really utilizing. The, it's hard to figure out what, you know, what's actually going on. Um, we're starting to realize it's bigger than just the doll because obviously somebody's posting the doll, there's somebody else involved, so we know there's like a conspiracy or a you know, I can say a wicker man, we're, we're busy saying cult or something. Um, that's you know, quite obvious 
at the beginning of the movie anyway, so not really a spoiler. Then it sort of ramps up where he ends up fighting the doll, and that's what I'm saying. The doll goes from like small size to full size, like not even human size, but giant human size, and that was done really well. And it's like the final battle between him and the doll, and then we realize that he encounters the cult, and then we kind of see what's going on. I bet it's not fully like in the Wicker. I'll use the Wicker Man example again. We knew, and it was explained very well that the Wicker Man was a because the harvest went bad. The offering need to be made, and then that's was the idea to bring the crops back. This lot don't really explain why. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and this is where movies, I guess, I think, lose themselves. Or they don't do as well. And that's why maybe Andy Horror gets such a bad rap. Because these are fixes that don't cost money. These are tweaks in the script. These are storytelling elements. And I've noticed with a lot of independent horror... A lot of that stuff gets glossed over or left almost um, in favour of the blood and gore. And I think that's why a lot of people write like low-budget horror movies off. Not because of the effects, which everyone hyper-focuses on. It's not that. It's these gaps that they don't tell a full story. I think it could be fixed. Just need... um. I think the right people offering support uh the directors like i think um networking networking brilliant i do you know i mean when i give these reviews it's meant with a whole heart you know as in i want to enjoy a movie i'm not just piling things or picking things just to be haha look at me i'm so edgy i hate everything yeah go make fun a lot you know it's that's not where i come from with this it's i genuinely want to see good movies I don't need to see million dollar spectacles with loads of CGI and like high rise, uh, you know, high end special effects and A listers. Because uh, as we know, like once that starts happening, like if horror became the next thing, like the double comic books and all, eventually it would just get watered down so much because they're trying to reach such a large audience that it'll not be its original form. So the good thing about these, you know, horror especially having such a great network like you think of the number of filmmakers out there in the horror genre alone that are making movies hand over fist and obviously we've had a few of these guys in the show and that they're relentless even though um it's easy to sit here and pick apart but when you realize the timing like that's one thing that really took me back when i was speaking to calvin was how tight the timing is when um a small studio funds one of these movies we've got like a week 11 days not even 14 days to film a movie edit it and have it post-production like that's insane and i imagine this wouldn't be you know wouldn't be much different because that's you know they're trying to get the product out to sale they're not gonna you know the huge studios can waste millions and reshoots and that but these sort of companies it's kind of we need this out we need to start making money back immediately or we're going bust you know it's that sort of thing um 
that's what I'm saying that the the script if they got that bit tied up before they even go to location and the storytelling aspect of it if somebody was there helping and getting that bit tidied up and you don't have to change the entire movie a lot of these would be little gems like genuinely little gems of movies and they would only get the only make the franchise stronger in fact it would be a beacon to say look what we can do on such a tight time and a tight budget with genuine storytelling and look at the huge studios wasting so much money and time and causing drama to deflect from the fact they're making lazy bad product um that's kind of, i think that's where my frustration is with all these type of movies is just it could be so easily fixed if the directors didn't feel under the you know under so much pressure and we're uh tight time constraints because obviously they're not going to flip it makes sense if you're trying to sell a script now of you know i'm understanding the, the business a bit more you're not going to write out a fully fleshed script just to sit on a corner because that's time and if you're trying to make a living for movies you're wanting the idea so you're trying to pitch the idea before you can go to basically get the studio to go yes we'll fund this then you're in the race against time to get it fully fleshed out because you're not going to spend time um it's like authors authors have the manuscript and that manuscript can go around for years before getting picked up if at all <coughs> but um that's why a lot of a lot of authors can't make a living that's the amount of time it goes into writing something and then trying to get it picked up uh that's a year you know what I mean at the minimum you're talking six months to a year's work without seeing a return and it's even worse i think for movie industry because you've then got to find staff you've got to find actors you've got to look find locations you've got to do this all in a tight tight window while the studio is prepared to pay for it but you got to have the idea first but you can't afford to spend the time fully fleshing out the idea because if it's not the thing the studio is looking for you're not getting it you know you're not getting funded and if you've got a contract with a studio you're kind of in breach of contract then if you don't if you go to the other ones because then that studio that might have given you you know you're more likely to get work from because you've got that relationship if you start going to the other studios they're going to drop you so um and that's where all the litigation and the bad feeling and the bad mouth comes in because once somebody starts doing that so you're it's not easy to do so i just want you to appreciate when i'm sitting here talking about these movies i'm not just panning the physique i'm just picking up wee things just little frustrations that i would like to see tidied up because i think there's so many good ideas like this is his own story i know i've likened it to a couple of things but it's still his own story and uh it's still it's worth a watch don't get me wrong it's worth a watch um links in the description check it out you know uh then we get to the end and it's the final you know confrontation with the the cult and then find out it as a full cult and alfred the doll you know it's that's almost their deity and that's to provide you know the writer going to the cottage is like the sacrifice being offered up to him um like I said, it's a good idea, you know, and even though the 
I wouldn't say fully cheesy, but the fact that the doll's going around, you know, it's quite obvious the person in a costume. It's still done well, so I don't hate it. I've seen a lot worse. Uh, the bit that gets me at is at the end of this when we see the writer again, or sorry, the writing agent, and it sort of skips back to the scene with the first person, the the woman uh, that got the doll sent Um, that scene, I'll not spoil it, but that scene makes no sense as to why things were played out the way they were. So, like I was talking about yesterday, uh, not yesterday, I was talking about the cherry tree. That, was that Saturday? God, I'm losing track of days. Flipping tees, bank holiday weekends, especially having two in a row. It's just messed my head up. My whole routine's out the window. Um, but like that, that final scene in that movie ruined it. You know, just cheapened everything that went before. This final scene, well, this one almost did the same thing. You're going, why did you do that? What What is this achieving? Um, but there you go. I suppose, um, like I said, if, if you're on that tight a budget and you're trying to do stuff, maybe it's, oh, right, I need, I need five minutes to fill. What do I do? Or, you know, if you're doing things in a rush, then what might seem like a good idea at the time or when you shoot it? Not so much. Um, but there you go. Um, I did actually enjoy this one. I'll, I'll say that. You know, I did enjoy it for the most part. Cool movie. Um, it is what it is. Nice tale. Uh, it wasn't overly gory. You know, I mean, there was a bit of gore and stuff. Uh, no boobies, unfortunately, in this one. So it doesn't have to go with it. You know, I'll have to step up the booby game. But we've had quite a few lately. So it's good. But there's a good bit of sexual tension as well without going fully there. So that's, you know, that's good to see. That's good character acting. Um, Nothing wrong with a bit of titillation and, you know, a bit of teasing now and again. So that was, um, especially the girl that plays the seductress, you know, and she did a great job with her character. And then the reveal later on in the movie of who she was was cool, which I deliberately left out, by the way. Because <laughs> you need to watch it to see it. But there you go. There's my review. Uh, God, I still want half an hour. There you go. Thought this was going to be a quick one, but I uh, hope you enjoyed it. If you check out the movie, as usual, let me know what you thought of it. Leave it in the comments. Um, go up to the other channel, do the tippy clicky things. And until next time, keep it creepy, keep it horrific. <laughs>